0: Hey everyone, I'm Brian Tretaway, the pastor at Vertical Church. It's our desire here to lift him up and live him out. We hope today's broadcast will inspire you to do the same, so enjoy today's message. So glad you've chosen a sunny summer Sunday to be with us here at Vertical Church. Amen? It's going to be a good day today. It already has been. It's going to even get better from here forward, I believe. How many uh, are Major League Baseball fans here in the room today? Oh, really? That's it? come on well an mlb reference anyway then how about that so back in 1894 there was a team in boston they were not the red Sox. they would later go on to become the atlanta braves but they were called the boston bean eaters right man quite a a ruckus noisy team No, there really was one called the Boston Bean Eaters. They were playing the Baltimore Orioles on May 15th in 1894, and they were playing in a brand-new stadium that had been built in Boston. It was called the South End Grounds, and it was a, a beautiful stadium. It was kind of you know like the most glorious in its day, uh, a baseball stadium, a ballpark, and it was, it was made of wood. I've got a picture of it. Take a look at this, this ball field here. You know, back in 1894, that's a pretty big deal right there, and a beautiful stadium, beautiful ballpark. It was early in the time that it had uh, been created, and on this day they're playing, and Boston's Tommy Tucker slid in to third base, and the Orioles' third baseman, John McGraw, kicked him in the face. So you know what happens next, right? If you watch some Major League Baseball, you know what happens next. Those two guys go at it, and they're up, and pretty soon it's not just them. The bench is clear, everyone's out on the field, and this is happening there on this day, and it's really, I mean, they're just, they're all seeing red, really, at this point. They're mad, and they're fighting, they're getting each other's face. Well, it doesn't stop there. On this day, the fight goes on up into the stadium, And pretty soon, fans in the stadium are going at it. It turns into a really big deal, and it escalates to the point that a small fire breaks out in the stadium. And they're unable to stop it. And before long, this beautiful structure is a pile of ashes. What was meant to be something glorious became something destroyed. They missed out on the future glory that was intended because someone was seeing red. Somebody couldn't keep control. Somebody gave in, and a bunch of somebodies gave in to their anger that day. What's interesting is that city officials would later say that the the fire was really the fault, ultimately, of the stadium owners. They had been... Required to have a water line installed to the ballpark in case of fire. The owners didn't like the fact they had to pay so much money for that and refused to pay the hookup fee for the water. A small amount, but they refused. They resisted. They stayed stubborn. And when they didn't prepare, when they didn't submit... It cost them. What would have been a small cost became a big loss. You know that happens whenever we see red and we give in to the anger. Destructive anger ends up costing us far more than we ever thought. Takes us further than we ever intended to go. And has a ripple effect beyond us and the one or two others who are immediately involved In our series seeing Red," we're looking at the destructive power of anger But we're also looking at the power of christ, which is greater than any other power on earth And how we can have victory over any destructive power in our life All right, so I want to begin with some truths today. I'm going to do something. I don't normally do I'm going to give you my four points before I get into the message before I even tell you the passage we're going to use, I'm going to tell you the four points I'm going to make today, and we'll come back to them. So here's the first one. Take note of these if you'd like. If you need to take a picture of the screen, you're welcome to. If you take notes, help yourself. That won't distract me a bit. Here's the first big point. God is actively at work to take us to new places to experience his glory. The day you were saved, you were what the Bible calls born again. You were a baby in Christ. It is God's intention to grow you up to mature you and to do that he will take you to places that you've not been before he'll take you to places to experience his glory in ways you haven't before that is his desire and it's not like he's sitting back saying oh i hope they'll let me i hope they'll let me no he's actively doing it he's arranging the events of your life so you can see his glory hold on to that point number two Those places are awkward and require faith, trust, and surrender. God will walk you up into some places in your life that you hadn't planned on. He'll introduce you into some scenarios that you didn't have on your list of to-dos, that you didn't have on the calendar when you were planning for 2018. He had some events in mind, and he has walked you right up into them, and his desire in that place is to show you his glory. And they'll be awkward. They'll be different. They'll be challenging. And they'll require faith like you've never had before. Because if you don't have faith like you've never had before, you can't experience glory you've never seen before. Hello? You've got to have some faith to experience some glory, and you've got to have some surrender. Point number three, you'll be tempted to get angry and bail instead of trusting God. God's going to walk you up into some situations. He's going to introduce you to some people and scenarios in your life, some circumstances that you didn't plan on because he's wanting to show you his glory, and you're going to get right up next to the edge of it, and it's going to feel so uncomfortable. It's going to cause you to trust and have faith but it's going to bring you to places that are uncomfortable where you've never surrendered that much before you've never had that much faith before you've never been in this scenario before and instead of trusting God you're going to be tempted to get angry at the situation at the people involved and you're going to be tempted to just bail and say forget it I'm out I'm out I'm done I am done with this I am not going any further forward and that will be your moment right there you'll be right on the edge of the glory that God will want to reveal to you. Point four. When you act out in that situation, you'll miss out on the glory of God. When you get into that moment where God's wanting you to trust and he's taking you to a new situation and you choose to give in to your anger instead of choosing to surrender to what he has for you, when you act out in that moment, you'll burn your stadium down. You will. He he has something glorious intended for you, but if you act out instead of faith up, you'll miss out on the glory of God. So those are our four main points today. Now let's get on to our passage. Numbers 20 is where we are today. We're in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, chapter 20. If you've got your Bible, you can follow along. If you've got a Bible app, follow along. And I do want to say hello to our people that are following online this morning. We have an audience that's actually watching along with us this morning. Hello, audience. We're glad you're here with us today, joining us and joining in with us. So numbers, yeah, amen. It's awesome. Yeah, we've got people across the country actually watching right now. Did you know that? God is able to take through the technology we have here and multiply this message. People watching right now, and they'll watch all week long, they'll keep up and follow the messages so we're grateful for what god has been doing through that numbers chapter 20 we're about 40 years after the children of israel have been set free from egypt they'd been slaves there god frees them through the leadership of a man named moses and he gave them a promise that they had a land of their own a place that they could go to a place that would be their own and they're on their way to go there it should have taken just not that long It should have taken some months to get there, even some millions number plus of people. It shouldn't have taken this long. We're now 40 years past leaving Egypt. 40 years have passed, and they haven't seen the promise come true yet. Have you ever had a promise? that you believe God gave to you? Have you ever had a vision that you believe God gave to you? Have you ever had a hope, a longing, a dream that God placed in your heart and it has not yet come to pass? Hello? Can anybody relate to me this morning? I can. You can. You know what I'm talking about. That thing you've hoped for, prayed for, thought was going to happen and you hadn't seen it happen yet. For Moses, it's 40 years later. 40 years in what should have taken less than a year to get to the place God had for them. He's leading... The people are wandering. The people have disobeyed. The people have not trusted God. He's walked them right up into some situations where he was going to provide for them, and instead of taking the the step of faith, they backed off and they bailed, and so now it's been 40 long years. We start chapter 20, verse 1. It says, Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, this is the whole congregation, nation came into the wilderness of Zen in the first month and the people stayed in Kadesh and Miriam died there and was buried there my goodness there's so much happening just in this one verse it's been 40 years they've not yet seen the hope the dream the promise come true And if you stop and take a look at it from Moses' perspective, he's leading them. He received the promise. He's been bringing them along, calling them to believe, calling them to trust, and they have refused. So for Moses, it's a little different because his ability to see the promise come true has been stopped because of their disobedience. They won't believe, they won't follow. They'll turn after other gods, they'll turn and be selfish, they'll turn away from serving God. And Moses can't get into the promised land because of someone else's disobedience. Have you ever wondered when that dream was gonna come true? Have you ever prayed for something to happen and it's not happening and you are convinced it's not because of you, but because of the other person? Hello? It's because of that rascal husband, it's because of that wife. It's because of those children. It's because of that family. It's because of that community. It's because of the people at work. It's because of those friends you knew. You can't get to where you want to go because of their disobedience. When that stuff happens, boy, it is easy to see red. Hello? When you want to go somewhere but you can't get there because everybody else is just being immature. They won't trust God. They won't walk forward. This is what's happening for Moses. To make matters worse, it says that Miriam, his sister, has died, and they have to bury her before they've gotten to the promised land. His sister, who's been with him, who's been faithful, now he can't get her there. It'll make you see red. To make matters worse, they're also in Kadesh. They've been there before. This wasn't the first time to be there. And here they are some 40 years later, and they're back there again. We do funny things whenever we refuse to give in to God, refuse to go to the new places that He wants us to go, refuse to trust Him into what's awkward and uncomfortable, but believe Him in it. In fact, one of the things that we'll do from time to time is we'll go back to what we think we knew before. We'll go backwards to where we thought we had felt something, had something happen where we were comfortable. And the children of Israel are back in Kadesh and it's not getting any better. You can't go back to old places and find the new things that God's wanting to do for you. He's wanting to pull you along. He's wanting to show you some things. He's wanting to reveal his glory, and you're going to have to surrender to what he has for you because you can't just keep going back to the old. You can't just stay where you were. You've got to grow up. You've got to move on. You've got to mature. You've got to trust him. You've got to believe what he has for you and move into what he has for you. Amen? This is all just verse 1. Just verse 1. It's enough to make you like Moses want to see red, right? Verse 2. Now, There was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. No water? No water? You can do without a little bit of food for a while, but you can't go without some water. And there's no water in this place. If you don't have any water, you can't get any nourishment. You can't survive if you don't have any water. It's interesting what they do. They get angry at the people leading them, When it wasn't necessarily their fault, it was their own fault that they had disobeyed, turned away, refused to walk where God told them to walk. But when you are the one refusing and you want to make yourself look better, you'll blame somebody else. And that's what they're doing here. They're blaming Moses and Aaron because they're all dried up. They don't have any nourishment. They don't have any water. They don't have anything that's satisfying them. The water was waiting for them in the promised land. If they had moved on to what God had told them to do and go where God had told them to go, they'd have plenty to nourish them, but they were refusing. Verse 3, it says this, And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Verse 4 Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die here? Moses, this is your fault. Why have you brought us here? It'd be better if we were just dead rather than to be here where you brought us. Man, these folks have lost hope. They've lost perspective. They've lost what God had done for them before, what God was doing for them now, and what God had for them then. They lost it all When you get angry And you start just seeing red in your life It's what happens to you You start blaming everybody else For what's going on in your life It's their fault You become bitter You become blind You are blind completely to the promise of God, to what he had for you, to what you were called to actually do. You don't see God's hand, you don't see his salvation, you don't believe in his provision, and you've lost all hope. That's what happens when you let anger take over. Verse 5, and Moses, why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. Now, I want to remind us of our first truth we began with today and fit it into the story. Here's what it was. God is actively at work to take us to new places to experience his glory. God was taking his people to the promised land. His plan hadn't changed. He had for them there everything that they needed. They were the ones who were being stubborn and resisting along the way. He was calling them to obey, to believe, and they just refused to do it. They just crossed their arms, they just tightened their brow, and they said, No, I am not going to do it. Getting to a place where you hear God speak and say no is a dangerous place. It's what keeps people enslaved apart from Christ and it's what keeps even believers at a place where they are just stuck In their life. Because at some place, God has said to them, this is what I want you to do. This is where I'm calling you. And they said, no, I am not going to do that. I'm not going to forgive that person. I'm not going to love that person. I'm not going to sacrifice I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to adjust my schedule. <clears throat> I'm not going to give up my sin. I will do what I want to do. When that spirit takes hold of you, you'll wander in the desert for 40 years or more. God was trying to take them someplace. Back to our story, it tells us in verse 6. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Moses and Aaron did the right thing. The situation was tense, they weren't sure what was going to happen next, but instead of letting the people's anger cause them to be angry, they they went from where the people were to the place where God was. Boy, that's some good counsel. Go from where the problem is to where the presence is. Leave the people, go to the presence. And that's what they did. They went to the tabernacle of meeting, the door, the place where the presence of God was. And it says there they, they fell on their faces. They they completely laid themselves out. You can't get much more vulnerable and surrendered than on your face on the ground. Your hands out, your face to the ground. You can't see anybody else coming up around you, near you. You are totally laid out before God. And it says that when they did that, that the glory of the Lord appeared to them. When you surrender your heart to what God has for you, you'll see the glory of God. When you refuse and resist, you'll join a bunch of complainers out in the desert. Moses and Aaron do the right thing. Verse 7. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses. That's what happens when you get into his presence. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod... You and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Interesting. God gives very specific direction to Moses. Moses, here's exactly what I want you to do. He's not vague, he's not ambiguous. He doesn't speak in general terms. He gives them exactly what he's supposed to do. Moses, take the rod that is yours, the one that I have used to work through before, when you stood before the Red Sea, when you stood before Pharaoh, on other occasions when I have spoken to you, Moses, take that same rod with you. You and your your brother Aaron go, and I want you to then gather the congregation. Get a word from God, go to the congregation. Good word for those who lead here. Get a word from God, then you go to the people. And he says, Moses, when you get there, here's what I want you to do. I know in time past, I told you to take the rod, and I told you to strike the rock, and water came out. Moses had that in his mind. He remembered that event. That event actually happened. But on this occasion, God says, Moses, I want you to take your rod, but I want you, when you get before the people and the rock is there, I want you to do something, Moses, that you've not done before. I want you to speak to the rock. Moses, I want you to say my promises to the rock. Moses, I want you to say what I say to that thing that you think is impossible in bringing forth blessing. You don't get water from a rock. Hello? It's just not in it. For water to come from a rock, there would have to be some kind of miracle happen. That isn't natural for water to come from a rock. And even if it was, in our minds, it would make more sense to hit it than to just talk to it. You shall bring forth water. That is weird. That is different. That's awkward. Yeah. When God wants to do some new things in your life, he'll tell you to do some things that you've not done before. And it'll push you in places that you've not been pushed before. And you'll have to surrender in that moment and say, God, I've never talked to a rock before. I've seen rocks. I've stepped over rocks. I've stood on rocks. I've moved rocks. I've hit rocks. But I've never talked to a rock before, much less ask that rock to give me some water. Right and God was taking Moses to school He was teaching him in this moment It was going to be powerful for him as well as for the people But it would be awkward. it would be weird. It'd be different It's gonna take some faith to stand in front of all these people who are thirsty and their main complaint is we don't have any water And here Moses is going to stand up and talk to a rock, and it's going to give some water. The story goes on in the second part of verse 8. He says, thus, you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Hmm. Good job, Moses. You heard God, and you did what God asked you to do. You started on the journey to do exactly what's right. Now, let's put in point two here that we saw earlier. Point two. Those places that God wants to take you, they're awkward and they require faith, trust, and surrender. You probably have some areas in your life right now that feel like a rock, it's kind of in the way. It's, It's big, it's cumbersome, it's hard. You can't move it. You can't can't get rid of it. You can't go under it. You don't know what to do with it. It's difficult. It's a a rock. It's a hard place in your life. And the thing you want to do is get angry at it. You'd really feel better if you could just strike that rock a few times, right? If you could just punch that wall. If you could just kick that stump. If you could just act out for just a moment. If you could just say to that person all that you've been thinking in here and just rah, for just a little bit, you'd feel better. But God says, it's not what I want you to do, Moses. I know, Moses, you're seeing red right now. I know you can't see what's going to happen next. I know, I know you're all caught up in what has happened and all these people and their sin. I know all that's happening for you, Moses, right now. But Moses, I want you to do what I say Not what you want to do right now. God's wanting to take you to some new places. So you can forgive like you've never forgiven before. Love like you've never loved before. Sacrifice like you've never sacrificed before. Repent of some sins like you've never repented of before. And trust him in some ways that you never trusted before. Oh, and I know inside there's this, there's this resistance to all of that. There's this thing that's saying, God, I, I, just, I just don't know that I can. I just don't know that I can forgive my dad for what he did to me. I just don't know that I can have that conversation with that loved one right now. I just don't know that I can, I can do what you're asking me to do. I just don't know that I can do it right now. I know that resistance inside but I also know the Spirit of God is placed inside you. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's calling you. He's speaking to you. He's calling you to obey. He's calling you to do that thing that seems uncomfortable and awkward. Back to the story, verse 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels! Uh-oh. What? I don't remember that being in the script, Moses. I don't remember God saying that's how you're to address them. Moses, I know what you're doing here. Hear now, you rebels! Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Moses, hold on, dude. I don't know. You know, Don't you wish you could just rush up to Moses right then and say, oh, stop, 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 stop. This is not No, 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 this is not it. It's not it. Moses is letting Red take over. He, he, he's yelling at the people. He's calling them all rebels. When you... When you start acting out, that's what comes out. You start saying things later, you think, oh, why did I say that? When your anger gets on out there, it starts resulting in name calling. And it starts lifting up who you are instead of who God is. Look what Moses said. Must who? We. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Must we do this? Moses, it was never on you. It was God who was going to do it. And Moses says nothing about God here. Moses doesn't say, God has shown me how he's going to answer our cry. God is about to show himself marvelous. God is glorious. He doesn't say any of that. In fact, he's pointing at himself. Do I have to do this for you? I've had to do this for you before. Here I go again. Here we go again. It's what we always have to do for you. Here we go it's all about him in this moment. Moses, you just were in the presence of God. Hold up, Moses. What do you do in verse 11? Then Moses lifted his hand and he struck the rock twice with his rod. That is not what God asked you to do, Moses. I know what happens. You get all caught up in what's happening these people and where you are and it's been 40 years i know you get caught up in all that moses i didn't tell you to strike the rock and moses takes his rod and pow pow and he's he is filled with his anger and it's not what god had in mind it's interesting what it says happens in the verse here and water came out Abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. What happened? Where was God? I thought He said, Don't do that, Moses. He did. I thought He said, Speak to the rock, Moses. He did. But Moses got caught up in his anger instead of caught up in God's glory. And in spite of Of Moses' disobedience, watch this. God was merciful to the people and he gave them water to drink. You know, you can sometimes get some initial results when you blow your cool, right? Oh, I remember as a parent, I remember those, those nights when it's getting late and Heather and I were tired and we were ready to go to bed. And the kids were anything but ready to go to bed. And they're playing in their rooms, and they're laughing, and they're going on, and their rooms are a mess. And it's just, it's all building up inside me. You know what I'm talking about? Hello? Don't leave me hanging out here, parents. Come on now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's building up. You're seeing red. You're just like, all right, every one of you, get in your room right now. I don't want to hear another peep Have you done that before, parents? Hello? Come on. <laughs> Wow, thank you. Thank you for the honest group over here. So that happened. I don't, I don't know how many times it did happen, but I did it, you know. And immediately, you know, like cockroaches, they just scatter to their room, you know. They're gone, and they, sh- you know, the door's shut, and there's no, there's no word anymore. You know, you don't hear anything, and you're like, ha, I showed them, you know. feel good, and you go back and lay down on the bed, and then you feel just horrible. You know? I got... Some initial results from losing my temper, but it costs me. Because the next day, when I see my child in the hallway, guess what they don't want to do? Look in daddy's eyes. The next time I want to have this loving, close relationship, hey, come sit with me. Oh, it's okay, dad, i got to go clean my room. (laughs) Right? Right? You can get some initial results, but you can lose in the long run. I did it enough times that I slowly watched my kids' hearts disappearing. And I thought, I can't have this happen. I'm not going to win the game of clean room and lose my child's heart. There's got to be another way. I'm not going to win the battle over what I'm frustrated at my spouse about but end up losing any kind of close intimacy ever again with them. Amen? I'm not going to spout off one day to my friend group and tell them all what I think and get some initial satisfaction, but end up losing because I blew my testimony of who I am as a, a believer in Jesus Christ. And I believe God was giving the people the water they needed, but there was about to be a cost. Moses was about to see the result, but he went about it entirely the wrong way. This is where our third point comes into play this morning. You're going to be tempted to get angry and bail instead of trust God. Moses had a moment where he could have trusted God to do something unbelievable. Something that no one had seen before. And God has given his promise that he was going to do it. But Moses, he couldn't do it. He chose not to do it. He resisted. He rebelled. He refused. You know, that happens sometimes in marriage. Relationship with a child, in the battle with sin, God's calling you to surrender and trust, repent, believe Him, take that step that feels so awkward, but instead you refuse and you give in to the anger, you give in to the resistance. Here's the result of what happened in verse 12. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. And he said, Because you did not believe me. You see the importance of these two words right here? Because you did not believe. Not believe me. To hallow me. In the eyes of the children of Israel, in other words, to make holy, to show reverence and glory. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Moses, Aaron, there's a price for acting out like you did. I gave you an opportunity to trust me, believe me. And the result could have been overwhelming. We could be reading about a different story today in the Bible if Moses had stood up and said, God has spoken. God has been gracious to us in our stubbornness and our pride. And today, God, we repent of our sin and we ask you to pour out your blessings because of your mercy to us. And a rock would have poured out some water and the people would have been blown away. Water from a rock. It would have been a very different story. That's what God wanted to do. Our fourth point, you already know it. When you act out, you'll miss out on the glory of God. Mm. Moses and Aaron would miss out on getting to go into the promised land because of their own resistance, refusal. They settled for their glory instead of God's glory. They settled for showing how angry they were instead of how good God is. They settled... for their selfishness, and they missed out. You know, let me read one more verse, and we'll wrap this up. Verse 13. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. Meribah, it's a word that means contention or strife or fighting or resistance. Here was this place that they had come to, Kadesh. There they were. And the Bible says as a result of their response to God that this place would now have a new name. They would forever remember this event and this place by their response. This place would now always be called Fighting. Fighting it didn't have to be that way it should have been called blessing but because of their own resistance it became the place of fighting and they'd forever look back and remember hey remember that time we were in fighting remember that time we were in conflict remember that time yeah we all remember that's what happened there What's fascinating to me is the very last part of the verse. They contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. He showed his holiness, his glory. And you remember what God had said to Moses? Moses, you won't go in because you didn't hallow me, you didn't show me reverence and God hallowed himself among them. You see, God is always going to reveal his glory and show his glory. He's going to get the glory. The issue is this. Moses was invited to join in with the glory of God. God was going to glorify himself by doing something miraculous. And Moses and the people could have all seen it and all gotten to be a part of it and shared in it and remembered the day and event in a completely different way. But as a result of their refusal, now God would hallow himself, and they would stand apart from it. They would see it. They would see his holiness. They would see his glory. But they wouldn't share in it because all they could do is see red. God longs to pour out his glory in our lives. In every person's life in here this morning, I don't care who you are, in every person's life, he is arranging the events, conversations, bills you've received, places that you have lived, and places that you live right now. He is arranging the circumstances of your life so that you can experience his glory. He's doing it. You may not see him in it. You may not believe he's doing it, but he's doing it because that's what he does. This is who he is. He is the God who reveals himself. And he is at work right now in your life. The question is, as he speaks to you at that spot where you are, he's calling you to trust, believe, and surrender. Will you or will you say, now, God, that's too much. I'm not going to do it. I've never spoken to a rock before, and I'm not going to start now. I've never spoke blessing into my marriage and it seems like a rock and I'm not going to start it right now. I've never spoke blessing to my children whose hearts are as hard as a rock and I'm not going to start now. I've never spoke blessing into some situations in my life that are as hard as rocks and I'm not going to start now. If that's your your voice this morning to God, he's going to show his glory, but you'll find yourself standing apart from it rather than sharing in it with him. I close this morning with the very same phrase that I closed with last week. There is glory in surrender. If Moses could have surrendered, the people could have seen a different glory. In your life right now, God is wanting to show his glory. It's not about the other people involved. It's not about the circumstances involved. It's not about all of that stuff. It's about your response to God. Will you have a heart that believes and surrenders and says, God, I will do what you say. I will repent of my sin. I will turn from the things I have trusted in. I will live my life in pursuit of you. I will seek reconciliation. I will serve you. I will sacrifice. When you get to that place of surrender, you'll experience the glory of God in ways you never have before. Amen? Why don't you bow your heads? I know every one of us are at a place right now where we're wrestling through some of these things. But I know God is speaking to you right now. I know God has... Arrange the events of your life so that you can experience his glory. And this morning, what he looks for from us is the heart like we talked about, a heart that says, "God, I, I yield to you. I surrender to you. It's not what I want. It's what you want. It's not about me acting out in my anger. It's about me surrendering to you. For some of you this morning, you know exactly what that area in your life is where you need to surrender. For some of you, it's it's a little different than that. It's about your whole life. You're living your life resisting. You're running away. God's been speaking to you. The love of Christ has been calling you, and he's calling you to himself. And it's time for you to surrender your whole life to him so that you truly can be rescued, saved because you have fallen so far short of the glory of God but now you see what Jesus has done and it's time to come running for some of you it may be the step of making your faith public we're going to be baptizing here next Sunday morning and we've got a group of people already who are saying I want to be baptized, I want to I want to follow Christ. That may be what God's calling you to today. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. Our counselors will be available here at the front. And when that happens, when we begin to sing, I'd encourage you to move right then. You come and let one of them know, I want to trust my whole life to Jesus Christ. I want to be baptized. Or I need to surrender an area of my life today. Would you pray with me? And our counselors will be here to lovingly pray with you, encourage you as you surrender to God. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, I am so thankful for your word that speaks truth and speaks life. That calls us out of our darkness, It calls us out of our shame, It calls us out of our failures, and it calls us out of our life of selfishness to walk in step with you, to trust you. I thank you that you are the one who is leading and guiding and taking us to new places. And I pray today we'll have a heart of surrender to to move into those places, to do some things we haven't done before, to trust in some ways we haven't trusted before, And that there will not be named among us a spirit of resistance, a spirit of reaction, or a spirit of anger. But instead, we'd be a people who have surrender written all over our hearts. We take this time to do just that, Father, to surrender our wills to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I really hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at verticalchurchovilla.com. We'll see you next time.